Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. These are usually important when you're doing public speaking, so I thought I might better get one of these. You guys doing all right today? It's great to see you here at the Central Campus. I'm excited to be here. I missed you guys. I hadn't been here in a few weeks. I've been at the other campuses preaching, and you guys been enjoying the series? What a great series, How to Win Within. Well, for those I do not know, my name is Olin Carter, and I get to serve here on our teaching team, among other things. This is probably my favorite thing to do, bar none, in my entire life, so we're going to have some fun this morning. Amen? Amen. Well, it's great to be with you. If, you're, if you are new, something unique about Freedom House Church and kind of our vision and how we, how we do church is that we have multiple campuses, but we have a live communicator at each service, each week, each campus, which I just think is amazing. And that's part of the vision of our senior pastors. I always like to take a moment and honor them. Would you give the, a hand clap for our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell? I love them and, and love their vision to build this around a team. And uh, it's, it's so great to have a teaching team because you have so much different perspectives and some people come with wisdom and insight. Um, if you have trouble telling us apart, I'm the good-looking one. That's what I bring to the table in case you were wondering. You're like, that guy didn't say much, but man, he was good-looking. I'll tell you what. So, hey, I do want to welcome those that are joining us online today. We've actually got people right now tuning in from Georgia, Virginia, South Carolina, Michigan, and all over the state of North Carolina. So you guys give it up for them. Welcome. We're glad you guys are with us today. And so we're in this series right now called How to Win Within, dealing with our heart. How do we deal with the matters of our heart? And the message that I have for you today, and I'm just going to jump right in because I've got a lot to share with you today, is are you childlike or are you childish? Are you childlike or are you childish. Now, these two things might sound similar, but they are not. The Bible tells us many times that we are to be childlike in our faith and childlike in our conscience, but it also tells us that we're to be mature, in other words, not to be childish in our thinking, in our understanding, and in our character. And so basically, the Bible's telling us we need to have the thinking, the mind of a 40-year-old and the heart of a six-year-old. Does that give you a picture today? 
We need to have the mind, the understanding of a 40-year-old, but we need to keep the heart of a six-year-old. Let's jump into God's Word. We're going to start out in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 20. Give you a moment to get there. I would encourage you as well, if you haven't downloaded our Freedom House app, download that. You can take notes and follow along the message series in that, so I'd encourage you to do that. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20, it says, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking, in your understanding. But it says what? Be infants in evil. When it comes to sin, when it comes to evil, God's saying, I want you to be naive, I want you to be like a little child, I want you to be an infant in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. Now you see, there's a, there's a little tension here. There's like two concepts going on. And you know, all through the Bible, there are concepts where there's a little bit of tension. And I believe there's a reason for that. I want to talk about a few of those today. You've got faith versus works, right? You ever heard of that tension before? Faith versus works. You've got God's sovereignty versus man's free will. How many of you believe God's sovereign? Yeah. All right, he's God. He can pretty much do whatever he wants. But we also believe we're responsible. He gives us free will, right? How do those two things balance out? You've got judge versus judge not. You've got love versus truth. And now you've got childlike faith versus spiritual maturity. And I believe this one really is a tension between our intellect, our mind, and our heart. How do we grow in our faith and balance out this tension between our brain, our mind, the things we're learning, and our inside man, the inner man of our heart? And so why does God put these tensions in Scripture? Why the balance? Well, have you ever carried something really heavy before? And you carry it in one arm? You ever do that, right? You're coming in. I know if you're like me, I don't know why, something dysfunctional about me, but when I get groceries, I have to take all the groceries in at one trip. Like, like my car's parked in a different neighborhood or something, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's 30 feet into my house, but I have to. I mean, I'll sit out there, and I'll be hooking the bags on, you know, and putting them around my neck. <laughs> Tammy's like, baby, just make another trip. And I'm like, no, no, I got it. I got it. You know, and I'm carrying them into the house, right? And, and if you ever carry something really heavy, if you carry it on one side for too long, what happens? You kind of start to get out of balance a little bit. It kind of hurts a little bit, right? You ever have a sore shoulder or neck, you know, because you're just carrying something? Sometimes it's actually easier to carry two heavy things than it is to carry one heavy thing, right? And how many of you know the truth of Scripture? They're heavy things. So God gives us some heavy things, and what he wants to do is he wants to balance us out so I'm carrying one heavy thing in this hand, and I'm carrying one heavy thing in this hand, and it helps me keep myself balanced in my spiritual growth. And so that's why we see this. So let's look at a few of them as an example. So you got a faith-focused person. Sometimes people, they only carry faith because they, they have this overemphasis on faith versus works. Well, I'm saved by grace through faith. It's faith alone, right? And so what they say is because I'm saved by faith alone, it doesn't really matter what I do, Right? Because I'm saved by faith. Why do I have to do all this good stuff? Why do I have to tithe? Why do I have to go to church? Why do I have to be nice to people? Why do I have to stop cussing out my neighbor? Why do I have to stop, you know, I mean, why do I need to stop doing it? It's, I'm saved by faith. What do my works have to do with it? But then you have the other, the other person on the other side that's all into works. And they're so wrapped up into how their works, they're trying to please God that they live this life of striving 
and working and toiling because I've just, man, I've got, to, I've got to do enough. I've got to be good enough. And how many of you know you'll never be good enough? But see, the truth is, is these two things aren't competing with each other. See, the truth is they balance each other out because we are saved 100% by faith. It is by grace through faith alone. It's not our works. However, we're saved for the purpose of good works. You can't have one without the other. If you're truly born again, good works are going to start to manifest in your life. And so it's a balance of those two things. What about love and truth? Man, this is a good one. Man, I know people, they're all about the love. I used to be a youth pastor years ago. And it always killed me to see parents who were so focused on the love part. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to discipline them. I don't want to, you know, I just, if I try to, if I try to discipline, they'll just rebel, right? I mean, they'll just go all the other, and Jesus is love. I should just love everybody. I just, I just love my young person. I'm like, your young person's going to end up in trouble if you don't discipline them, right? Like, they're, they're, they're taking drugs. You need to say something, right? <laughs> Not okay, right? And so some people get so out of balance with love, but then you also have people that are out of balance in truth. They're like, man, they're jacked up, and I don't care what they, I don't care if I hurt their feelings or not, I'm giving them both barrels, right? I mean, the, the person is just looking for trouble, like walking, just kicking doors open, like, you know, who needs some truth today? That makes you want it, doesn't it? I mean, you're like, oh, me, you know? But, but you know what? God gives us love to balance out our truth. You're going to do surgery on somebody, you better give them a little anesthesia, amen? <laughs> and so love softens the truth so that we can receive it, and that's why God is a God of love and truth. So what about childlike faith versus spiritual maturity? You see, some people, we, we get this love relationship with Jesus, and we love this concept of childlike faith. And we say, well, man, it's just about love. I just love Jesus. I've got a childlike heart. It's just fun coming to church and just... And I don't need all this theology stuff. I don't need to read the Bible and pray and grow and learn. It's, I just love Jesus. He loves me. It's as simple as that, right? But then you've got the people that are so spiritually mature. I like to think about the old deacons in my Baptist church growing up. They'd come in from their smoke break. And they had that... It was like you were wearing 3D glasses. It was like they had this finger that extended and just kept coming towards you. Boy, if you listen to that rock and roll, you're going to burn in hell. You know, and they were, you know, they sought after the righteousness, the, the, the law. The, the, they wanted to be mature, but they had no love. They lost their childlike heart, right? And how many of you, I don't want to be either one of those extremes. I don't want to either, be either one of those extremes. So listen, the childlike faith and growing in our faith, being spiritually mature, they're not competing with each other. They actually complement each other because the most mature believers maintain a childlike heart. The most mature believers maintain a childlike heart. There are believers that I know that are more advanced than me and the Lord that have been serving Jesus for 40 years, 50 years, that know the Bible inside out, but you get them in the presence of Jesus and they're just like a little kid. And they can just worship and cry and laugh and wonder at God because they've maintained their childlike heart. So having childlike faith is good, right? But growing and maturing is good, is good as well. So they actually support each other. A.W. Tozer, in this book, the series resource, and I really want to encourage you, 
man, if you've never gotten a series resource before, this is the one to get. It's called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Amazing book. It covers so much of this. And he says in that book, he says, complacency is a deadly foe to spiritual growth. Complacency is a deadly foe to spiritual growth. So why does God want us to be childlike? Because I've never met a child that's complacent. Have you? Man, I've got two kids, and they want to be 37, right? They, my son, he likes little pocket knives. If I let him, he'd have like eight samurai swords, right? I mean, you've got to slow kids down. You're like, they want to touch everything. They want to experience everything. They want to do everything. They want to just be everything. I mean, kids are never complacent, and that's the heart as a Christian that we're supposed to have in our faith. We're supposed to be like a little child when it comes to the Bible and to the things of God. We should just be like, man, I want to do that. I want to pray. I want to work. Man, I want to learn more about God's word. I want to do all this. I want to see miracles. I want to see, I want to experience God. Man, that's, I want, man. I mean, we should be like little children just in a candy store, spiritually speaking, but too often it's the other way around. We, we mature in the things of this world. And so I want the money and the fame and the the sophistication and I want to be a grown-up and I want to fit in with everybody else. I want to be in with you and I stop wanting to be in with God. You know, as a kid, as you get older, your parents just stop being cool for a while, right? And for some of us, God stopped being cool. We've lost our childlike heart to just run and jump into the arms of our dad, And that is actually the key to spiritual growth. So we're going to read a few scriptures today in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is a great book about spiritual maturity. That's basically the topic of most of the book. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and chapter 3, Paul gives us three types of believers. So if you're taking notes today, I see some people writing. That's good. Get your notepad out. We're going to write this stuff down. And so Paul gives us three types of believers. So number one, you got the baby Christian. You got the baby Christian. Now listen, if you're a baby Christian, there's nothing wrong with that. Being a baby Christian just means you recently received Christ. That's all it means. And listen, the Bible says when someone receives Jesus, puts their faith in Jesus for the first time, there's a party in heaven. That's a good thing. We're excited if you're a baby Christian. That's awesome. Nothing wrong with that at all. If you're watching online, maybe you just recently got saved two months ago. You're a baby Christian. That's awesome. That's a great thing. But the second type of Christian is a mature, or what Paul will refer to as a spiritual Christian. A mature or a spiritual Christian. The third and final believer we're going to look at today is the childish or fleshly Christian. The childish or the fleshly Christian. Now, what's the difference between a baby Christian who's childlike and a childish Christian. A childish Christian didn't just get saved yesterday. It's somebody who maybe has come to faith many, 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 many years ago. Spiritually, you're like me, you got some white hair coming in your beard. But you've remained carnal or fleshly. Okay? So we're going to talk about it today. So let's Let's jump in here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, and we're going to read a little bit about the mature believer. It says, And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather 
Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Verse 6, yet when I am among mature believers, Paul says, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. So you can see here there's mature believers that Paul says, I teach a little bit differently to people who are mature. You can, you can eat a little bit more. How many of you know a baby has to have milk, but a grown man can have some steak? Can I get an amen for steak? Steak is of God, okay? And you know what? Milk is, I mean, milk's okay. Y'all like milk? Every once in a while, I have a glass of milk with some cookies, right? I mean, milk's okay. I don't, I don't go through my day, though, going, man, I can't wait to get home. Tammy's fixing it. I'm going to have some milk. <laughs> now, you take me to Del Frisco's and talk about a ribeye, I might get a little excited, right? It's like, ooh, I'm just thinking about that all day, right? And as believers, we should want to be like the mature Christians here that Paul's talking about, that, listen, you've matured in your faith to the point I can give you a little bit more. I can give you a little bit deeper things from the Word of God. Now, how did Paul say that they got to this point? Not by the crafty words of men. And so listen, I'm not here to talk you into anything today. Paul says, listen, I didn't come to you with clever words. I didn't come and do some kind of hocus-pocus on your mind and, and super intellectual and just you know break it down to where I convinced you. No, Paul says, I came and I spoke plainly and I let God do the work. I came and I just shared the gospel. I just shared the simple message of God and I let God do the work. You know why that's so important? It's so important that your faith is built on God and God working in your heart, not on what I say or Pastor Troy says or any pastor on television says. Because listen, if I can talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it. And so step one to being spiritually mature is you've got to start, you've got to ground your faith on the power of God. If you've never experienced the power of God today, you're going to at the end of the service. We're going to have a moment today, and maybe you would say, man, I've, I don't know what that is. I've never experienced that before. Listen, God is here right now. The Bible tells us that when two or three people gather in the name of Jesus, he says, my presence, I will be there with you. And so God is here today. And so maybe you're thinking, I'm not even a Christian. I don't even know what that is. Listen, God is here, and we're going to have an opportunity at the end of the service when we pray that God, the power of God himself, can actually touch your heart. That's what our faith has got to be built on. Now let's look at some childish Christians real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So we're moving into 1 Corinthians a little bit. Chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, he says, I couldn't talk to you as I would to what? spiritual people. I couldn't talk to you like you were spiritual because you're not spiritual. He's talking to believers. So there are believers who are not spiritual. Now what does that mean? It just means this. It means your life is being led and directed by things that are carnal or fleshly or worldly, not things that are eternal based. And we're going we're gonna to hit a tip with this at the very end today. But it's so important, so important that your life, your purpose is not built on things here. Listen, you, you might have thought this morning or last night, you might have been dreaming about, thinking about buying a new home. Nothing wrong with that. 
New homes are good. Cars are good. All those things are good. But if you go out and you buy the nicest Ferrari there is in the world right now, you know it's just junk someday. It's just, it, it, at some point, it's just going to be sitting in a junkyard somewhere. There's nothing you can own, possess, accomplish, do in this world if it's not eternal-based, if it's not based in eternity, that's going to last much longer than 50 or 100 years. It's gone. One point, it's going to turn back to dust. So what are we living our lives for? So he says, I couldn't talk to you like spiritual people because you weren't spiritual people. He said, I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. He said, I had to feed you with milk. Not with solid food because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready for you are still controlled. Why? Because you didn't go to Bible college? Because you weren't, you know, a theologian? You didn't have a Ph.D. in theology? No. No, what does Paul say? He says, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature. Aren't you living like people of the world? You see, carnality proves spiritual immaturity. If you're a carnal person, if there's areas of your life in which you're, you're driven by your flesh, not by your spirit, the Paul's telling you here what God's Word is telling you, in that area you're spiritually immature. It doesn't matter how much you know. Listen, I've been watching basketball my whole life. I would consider myself a, a basketball aficionado, all right? I mean, I, I know some basketball. I probably coach basketball. But you put me out there on the court right now, it is going to be ugly. Because I'm, I've got head knowledge, but there's a big difference between head knowledge and experiential knowledge. What you do. That's why some of the greatest players of all time, you take a Michael Jordan, probably a terrible coach. Because Michael Jordan's just like, well, just go around him and dunk. And that player is going, I, I can't do that. <laughs> I don't know how to do that, you right? Because there's a big difference between what you know and what you do. And we have so many Christians that are basing their spiritual maturity on what they know, not on what they do. So listen, there's nothing wrong with being a baby if you're, if you're a a spiritual infant, if you're recently saved, you're a baby Christian, nothing wrong with that. But listen, when you have to spit, split the whiskers to insert the bottle, that's not good. If we've been saved a long time, we need to grow up a little bit. And so before I go on, I'm going to get into some points today to give you some tips on what to do with this. I want to I take a moment, and I want you to do this online as well, because this is really important, because this is one of those messages that will get misused, Okay? So I want, to I want to have you all repeat this with me. Y'all ready? But don't repeat it if you're not going to do it because liars. <laughs> all right? So repeat this. I'll read it to make sure you, you, you agree with it, okay? I'm going to say this. This message is for me to judge myself, not someone else. Okay? All right, so say this with me. Say, this message is for me to judge myself, not someone else. Now remember, if you lie. Because listen, what will happen is when you preach a message like this, people will go and run out of here and go, oh, she's, she's a baby, she's, she's a childish Christian. Look, what, look, look how she acts. 
And that's not what this is for. This is for you to grow in your spiritual walk. Amen? Amen. So how do we remain childlike and not childish? How do we remain childlike and not childish? Number one, we're going to pursue wisdom, not just knowledge. We're going to pursue wisdom and not just knowledge. So many Christians get stuck with this one. We pursue knowledge, but we don't pursue wisdom. Wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. I love when I studied, I read this, and I can't remember where I read it, but it was about the, the ancient Jew, Jewish people, the Hebrews. They would, their look of, their view of wisdom was totally different from how we view wisdom. Because when we think of wisdom, we think of older, experienced, someone, you know, that just exudes wisdom. They know what to do. They have, you know, they're smart. They know how to handle situations. But the way the Jewish people would look at wisdom is they would look at wisdom as God has a design for everything, and wisdom is following God's design. That's wisdom. Wisdom is I'm going to learn what God's design is in any area of my life, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow the blueprints that God has. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and this is verses 1 through 3, still in 1 Corinthians. It says, now concerning food offered to idols, he says, we know that all of us possess knowledge. There was this debate, this fight going on in the church about this, this topic. And, he, and listen to what he says. He says, but he said, this knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he should he does not yet know as he ought to know, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. I mean, you know, a little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing. Man, the Bible has been misused for hundreds of years to justify all kind of craziness. The Bible was used to justify slavery. We know slavery is wrong. We know the Bible doesn't endorse slavery, but it was misused by evil people to endorse it. The Bible has been used to endorse wars and killing and all types of evil behavior. And we know that's not what the Bible says. But the Bible can be misused. Scripture can be twisted. If you want, you can take the Bible, you can take a Scripture out of context, and you can justify anything. And so the key is not having knowledge. The key is knowing what to do with that knowledge. Here's the... Here's the key about knowledge, and are you using it properly? Is your knowledge making you more Christ-like? Is your knowledge making you more Christ-like? When you do your Bible study, your devotions, are you just checking off a box? Because so many of us, we feel really spiritual when we do our version thing and we go through and we're clicking it off, man, another day down. Right? And I love to hear the check. I mean, me and Jordan, like, man, there's nothing like hitting a to-do, right? And hearing that, ding, it's like, ah, oh, you know? It's great. We love to check it off. We love to, oh, I did my reading today. But did you have a moment with God? Did you weep over your sin? Did God show you something about yourself that needs to change? Did it, listen, if you're spending time with God, there's going to be a force exerted on you to change. If you do a devotional in the morning and you don't feel anything, there's nothing challenging to you, you need to rinse and repeat. 
You, you didn't have a devotional time, you read words on a page. And knowledge in and of itself is not going to change you. Listen, maturing spiritually is not about gaining more head knowledge about God. It's about growing in your relationship with God and dying to yourself. See, I can learn about George Washington because he was a real dude. George Washington was a real, he was a historical figure. I can read books. I can learn about his childhood. I can learn all about George Washington, but I'm never going to know him. And so many of us have a Christianity, so many of us have a faith where we're learning about God, but we're never encountering that God. See, it's not about learning about George Washington. It's about George Washington coming to my, my bedroom in the morning in my quiet space and talking to me. Can you Now, that's when you get to know somebody. And Jesus wants to have a personal relationship where you're not just reading words on a page. You're not just reading a commentary. You're not just reading a book. You're not just listening to content. They, listen, and this is going to sound a little harsh, but this just dropped in my spirit. If you're doing that, you're just having a, a Christian TED Talk. You might be learning theological principles, but if you're not applying them in your life, they're fruitless. You're not growing spiritually, you're still a baby. Listen, sometimes my wife, man, we're talking, and I'm there, well, she's talking. And, and I'm doing something, you know, and she's looking at me, and sometimes it's like we're having a conversation, and I get that, like she'll pause and just look at me. And I'm like, Hello. I loved everything you were saying there. That was all good stuff. And she knows. And she's like, you're not listening to a word I'm saying. She has to stop and like, hello, can I get your attention? You're zoned out, man. And how often in our spiritual life are we checking off the, the devo? Are we doing the things? Are we coming to church? We're going through worship. We're praying. We're doing, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing, we're doing. And God spiritually is going, hello. I'm talking and you're not hearing me. Because we don't have a heart to change. We don't have a heart, a childlike heart, to jump in the arms of our dad. We're just going through the motions so we can be spiritual. There's too many of us that have knowledge of what we should do, but we're not doing it. And it's childish and sinful to know to do good and not to do it. James 4, 17 says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. For him, it is sin. So how do we mature spiritually while keeping the childlike heart of faith that God wants us to have? We pursue God's wisdom. We have to pursue God's wisdom in doing things his way. And then listen, you have to act on it. You have to do something with it. And this is kind of the thought that God gave me to share with you today about this is that you need to think of your maturity in Christ less like a university and more like an internship. Growing as a believer is a lot less like a university and a lot more like an internship. When I was a kid, and I've shared a lot about my dad before. My dad could be, could be kind of crazy sometimes, but in his work, he was awesome. My dad was an expert craftsman. He did tile work for 50 years, and he was awesome at it. And as a kid, listen, my dad... He wasn't the greatest dad in the world at this point. I would go work with him 
12 hours, he wouldn't feed me. I mean, he was just, he wouldn't feed me. I mean, he was just working, and he was just like, it'd be one in the morning. We'd be going home, and he'd be like, oh, I guess you want to eat. I'm like, that'd be great, Dad, you know? So it wasn't like, you know, I didn't go because he was like stroking my ego or telling, you're the greatest son ever. You know, it wasn't like that. But I loved, one of my favorite things to do as a kid was to get up and to go to work with my dad in the summer because I learned just being with him. Listen, God wants you to get up every day excited to go to work with him. You can go to work with your dad. How cool is that? It's not about reading about your dad in a book. It's about going and living your life each and every day with his presence in your life. It's an internship where every day you're learning to be like your father and he'll speak to your heart in each and everything that you do. He'll challenge you. Every day, wake up. Ask your father, what are we doing today, dad? You can boil Christianity down to this. If you wanted to put Christianity, living the Christian life, not salvation, but after salvation, if you wanted to boil it down to like one sentence, it's this. Ask your dad what to do, then do it. That's it. That's the New Testament. He's changed you. He's saved you. He's loved you. And then out of a response to that, listen, He doesn't ask anything more of you than to wake up every day and to say, what are we doing today, Dad? And then just do it. And that's where we get stuck because he says stuff we don't want to do. Sometimes it's hard. So this moves right into the second point today, and that's learn to see things like your father. Learn to see things like your father. Hebrews 5, 11, it says, There's much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Some of us have been believers for so long, we should be teaching. We should be teaching others, but listen to what he says. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Here's the key, verse 14. Solid food is for those who are mature. Who, through training, not through reading a book, through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. See, the Christian life maturity comes through daily training. It's an internship. It's a see-then-do method. That's what God has proposed. Mature believers develop their spiritual discernment. And what that means is you love what God loves and you hate what God hates. And so often I catch myself laughing at things because they're funny. And they're really funny. In the natural, they're funny. But then later I'm like, oh, man, did that grieve God's heart? Things in our society that make God weep shouldn't make us cry or laugh. We shouldn't take pleasure in things that break our dad's heart. We should learn to see as God sees. Too many times we wink at sin and evil, but it's childish to laugh at evil. Now here's a hard truth that I think God wants us 
to know about this, and this is kind of where I left off on the last point. The problem isn't that God doesn't speak to us. See, in this scripture, he talks about our heart becoming dull. How does that happen? It doesn't happen because we wake, out of, we wake up and get out of bed one morning, we just have a hard heart. No, what happens is God is faithful, and he speaks to us. He challenges us. There are times in your life where your conscience or the Holy Spirit speaks up and says, uh-uh, don't do that. And then what do we do? We ignore it. We turn the radio up a little bit. We binge watch that show. We get on the phone with a friend. We get on social media because God's speaking and I don't want to hear it. And over time, as we repeatedly silence his voice, as God speaks to you over and over and over and over and you ignore, 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 what the Bible teaches is our hearts become hardened to where it's actually hard for us to believe. That's why so many times the disciples, Jesus would rebuke them for the hardness of their heart. Jesus would do an amazing miracle. He would feed 5,000 people, and an hour later, the disciples couldn't believe for something small. And it was because their heart had become hardened. But here's the good news. God is so good that when, listen, when we turn and we walk from God, I wish I could illustrate this, but I don't have time. But imagine somebody standing behind me right now. And when I turn from God and I begin to walk, imagine that person's walking just right behind me. God just follows us. And here's the cool thing. When we turn, he's right there. He's just ready. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside. He's there to help us, and he's with you each and every day. If you hear that and you go, man, I've been doing that. I've been hardening my heart for years. Listen, just like that. When you turn back to God, when you turn around, the Holy Spirit is waiting to soften your heart. I can't tell you the times in my life that I have gotten so busy doing good things, doing ministry, serving the Lord. I've been so busy serving God, I've forgotten all about Him. Gotten to where I come into here, church, on a Sunday morning, and y'all are all praising God, and I'm sitting there, and I'm dead as a hammer. I mean, I'm sitting there going through the motions sometimes, like, praise Jesus, but inside, man, I've had one of those weeks where I'm like, man, I'm going to go through the motions, but am I really connected with Jesus right now? I checked the box like I did my Devo. Thumbs up. But have I really been living with my dad? Have I been living spirit-led? Is the spirit of God overflow? No. But here's the awesome thing. Every time I've been in that situation where inside I feel dry, I feel dead, I feel hardened, my heart feels dull, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I turn to God just like that. God, it's instant I'll start to, man, the, the, the Holy Spirit will invade wherever I'm at. All you have to do is turn to him and say, Dad, man, he loves you so much. The third and final point, once we have begun to seek wisdom and not knowledge, once we've learned to see through God's eyes, then we have to take spiritual responsibility. We have to take spiritual responsibility. Listen, an infant can't feed themselves. And so many times people will blame others, people will blame their church because their lack of spiritual growth. They'll say, well, I'm not being fed. Well, you've been a Christian for 30 years, you can't feed yourself? At some point, you have to be able to feed yourself. My wife gets mad at me, she'll leave the kids sometimes, and, uh, and it's like she'll look at me and she's like, 
Now, are they going to be okay? Like if, like if she leaves, they're not going to make it. Like she's going to come back and our kids are going to be dead or something. Like, you know, I'm that kind of dad. Like they're just, they're not going to survive, you know, an encounter with dad. But you know what? She mama's, she's a great mom. And so she's always, you know, she's doing mom things. But listen, Matthew will come downstairs and I'm, I'm eating or doing something. And Matthew comes downstairs and he's just you know, kind of looking around. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm like, that's awesome. You should fix you something to eat. Because that's what a dad does. Because I want him to be a man. I need him to learn how to cook some, like, get some eggs out of the fridge and put them in a pan. Like, cook something, boy. Grow up. Right? And so, listen, spiritually, give you a little kick today. Listen, put some eggs in the pan and cook them. Don't blame it on the pastor. Don't blame it on the church. Don't blame it on the other believers. Well, nobody disciples me. Jesus will disciple you. Feed yourself. Learn to feed yourself. Listen, the childlike heart is excited to grow. The childish heart blames others and makes excuses. So here's the question. Are you ready? Are you ready to grow today? Are you ready to grow today? I'm going to give you a couple quick tips and then we're going to end. Number one, if you want to grow, you're at this point, you're like, man, I want to do it. Get some accountability. There has to be somebody in your life that can tell you no. The problem with grown-ups in this country, and I don't know, probably all others, is that once you get to be an adult, no one can tell you no. You need someone in your life that can jerk a knot in your rear end. You need somebody that can tell you no. I need people that can look at me and say, hey man, what are you doing? You're getting off track. You need someone you can trust. And listen, if you're young, find somebody that's older. If anything else, they hadn't died. I mean, they've outlived you. They got that figured out. Find somebody that's a little further down the road than you. You're man, I need somebody to mentor me in my marriage. Find somebody who's been married 30 years, 40 years, happily, right? I say, hey, you seem to figure it out. Pour into me. What can I do? Listen, number two, put yourself in an environment to grow, for growth. We talk about this all the time here. Get in a life group. Here's, I'll make this super simple. Exchange club with life group. Listen, if you like clubbing, dance at your life group. Have a, have a disco group. Disco 70s, but you know, hey. Number three, invest in your spiritual growth. Invest in your spiritual growth. Where do you put your time? Where do you put your money? I buy books all the time. I read books all the time. And listen, the church doesn't buy my books. I buy my books. I could put the church, when I buy a book, I could put it on my church credit card. I don't. You know why? Because I want to invest in my spiritual growth. I want to put my money into what matters most. Buy a book today. Go buy a book and read it. Invest in yourself. Put your money and your resources into that area. And here's the final one. You got to change your fuel source. This is what I call spiritual keto. Y'all will like this. When you do keto, what do you do? You stop living off sugar so your body starts to live off the fat. Most of us as people, we live off of pleasure. Now, just like keto, when you stop eating sugar, you go through hell week. It hurts. They call it keto hell. It's terrible. 
But then once your body transitions, your body will eat the fat, live off the fat, not the sugar. Listen, it's the same thing in the spiritual. You got to replace pleasure, and it's going to hurt. Might take longer than a week. But you got to replace pleasure with purpose. When your fuel source becomes purpose, listen, you don't get tired because purpose never runs out. When you're full of purpose for God, when you have a destiny, when God is using you, man, you don't get tired and frustrated and burned out. You just want to do more because that's a fuel source that never goes away. Amen? Amen. Would you stand on your feet this morning? I want to ask you to take just a moment, bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're joining us online, I want to ask you to do the same thing. Just focus in just for a moment. I want to read one more passage and then we're going to pray. Because some of you maybe have never made a decision to give your heart to Jesus. Here's the thing. It's what I've been talking about this whole whole time. Is that it's not about how much you know. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples, the supposedly mature, rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. He got mad. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them laying his hands on them. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, I want to ask you this. As a little child, have you ever jumped into the arms of Jesus? Have you ever put your faith totally and completely in him to save you, to change you? The Bible says that he died for your sins, but your response to that, the Bible declares, is faith. It's putting your trust and faith in him and declaring with your mouth that he is Lord, that he is your Lord. So I want to ask you today, if that's you, you'd like to put your faith in Jesus, maybe for the very first time. If that's you, would you raise your hand up right now? Just lift your hand up. We want to say this prayer with you. And listen, if you're online, there's a button you can click in the chat to raise your hand digitally as well. We have people that will pray with you. Amen. I see that hand. Anyone else? Just raise your hand up right now. We're going to pray. Amen. Let's pray this together. Say, Father God, like a child, I just leap into your arms. I trust you because you're good. I trust your heart. Change me. You know me better than I know myself. So I ask you to change me. Give me a new heart. I do this with childlike faith. I believe you died, and I believe you rose again. And I receive that right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.